Welcome to Success Authorities Conversation Street with Leadership Authority Peter Beaumont and with Business Culture Authority Ron Lehman and me, Linda Ruland, Success Authorities Founder. I've met Tally, gosh, middle of last year, maybe, maybe the beginning. Uh, she came highly recommended for what she does, and I'll let her tell you about that. And we needed somebody to help us, and we still do, um, on on more fronts than I probably want to think about. But her speciality is finding people for organisations. And uh, as I said, she really did come highly recommended, and we've had a good working relationship so far. But what I like is Tally's approach to the whole HR area and she's given me some great insights we've had some good discussions and I thought she would add value to this uh, discussion today with that I'll let Tally talk about what she does I am the CEO of Red Seat Uh, we're a recruiting company Uh, we've been in business since 1999 so it's been a good long run um, and so we specialize mostly in smaller companies. I was um, telling Linda and Ron um, earlier, usually we work with companies five to 100 employees, so smaller businesses. Often they don't have an HR resource in-house. It's usually the owner or apartment manager, controller, senior level financial person that does that hiring and recruiting. Um, and so they don't have a point person for that. And then oftentimes they don't have a process either. So we do both the recruiting piece and um, P- Peter's has process already <laughs> so we haven't embedded as much of what we do with when we worked with you but um, if a company doesn't have a process we try to help them do a better job hiring i guess learning kind of ask better questions and structuring that so we work um usually usually staff level and above we have a retained side of our business that we do that and then we have another side of our business we call it fractional and that's most of our clients on that are more hourly employees um, and it's a little bit different pricing structure that allows companies to to use us for that lower lower paid or more hourly type position so that's what we do so um tally mentioned process they are really well processed i mean i've not i've worked with quite a few agencies that do what tally's company does but until i actually worked with i didn't realize how well you've got a process especially specifically around interviewing Taking on what the clients are looking for, working that in, and making sure that you're, you know, you're taking out, excuse the word, but you're taking duds out before you actually get to, you know, any 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 chance of an interview, and I, um, and that could be a fit for them and a fit for us, but you, you do it very well. So that's it. That's all I got to say. That's all you have. <laughs> that's all I have. I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> 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 so so the background here uh, i don't know what you guys told tally did you linda or ron about what we're trying to do as as success authorities well with this program in particular tally we are addressing some of the more prevalent concerns and challenges as, that businesses are having and we're bringing in subject matter experts to dialogue about that because a lot of times uh, the answers are in the room, especially when you collaborate on them. So that's the premise behind uh, Conversation Street. And then we as a group are here to, uh, you know, help people guide them through those challenges, those murky waters, and uh, make sure that they get to whatever destination they're headed toward. With that, the the subject, um, and I... 
Linda, for, what was the title of it? I'm just looking for the. Oh, our title this morning specifically yeah. is why is it so difficult to hire and retain our people? Yeah, lightweight subject, right? So, um, and some of the questions I, so, so let me get the ball rolling if you'll uh, allow me. And I, especially as this subject has been top of mind because I just finished an article which I sent to Ron and um, Linda, which I ended up doing quite a bit of research for Um and uh, more than I probably would, because the subject actually fascinates me. I think uh, it's an issue that uh, all my clients are struggling with. Um, of course, the biggest um, is the one that Talia and I have started working on. But the other client, I've got two or three other clients that are struggling. with, And just people I meet are all struggling with CEOs as well as consultants talking about this subject. Let me try and categorize it and maybe we can talk around it and what some of the challenges are with it. I'm seeing hybrid being one, but as they went to high, actually when the, what they did, they went to remote. Most people yes. went straight to remote uh, because they weren't allowed into the offices because of um, contagious is issues. And so they had some time and space to think about what they wanted out of life. <laughs> do I want to go in and be abused by that boss? Do I want to do the commute? Do I want to pay all that money for lunches, you know, I can just eat at home. So, and I like this balance in my life. So I think it really changed the way people look. And, and you know, am I getting enough money for what I do? And then the, the top end of the market, there were the people who were working who didn't really need the money. And I'm talking about people probably getting towards 60 and beyond saying, I don't need this shit anymore. <laughs> and so dropped out of the market. Those are some of the things, and that I may not have covered them all, but I think that those things put together, it's never one thing, is it, have collectively changed the people market, for want of a better way of describing it. Right. Yeah, I agree. And there's, yes, yeah, I think certain segments of industry, so like hospitality or retail, I mean, so it has kind of one set of challenges now that so many people have left those industries and where like a, a company and business, you know, business B2B company, um, the people coming back are wanting things like hybrid or they may they have maybe more demand. So different industries I think are experiencing the outcomes of that really differently than mm -hmm. um, each other. There's been kind of a lot of variables based on kind of what they do and what people have decided <laughs> they want. Right, right. So, so I agree. I think it, it's different in different industries, you know, depending on a, the positions you're looking for and, and the industry you're in. I agree. But I I do. So, you know, the, the warehouse worker is going to have a different view of the person who can sit at home and do their work remotely, I, um, obviously. But I, I do think it's now the question is, uh, I can answer the equation. That's why there's turnover. That's why there's more people leaving and diving in and, you know, moving around because they're dissatisfied. They're disengaged. So, you know, quiet quitting, for example, is that a thing? I don't I don't know. So we don't hear we don't hear about quiet quitting as much as we hear about companies that maybe have staff that are not performing. Um, and then, you know, that could be that is a form, I think, of quiet quitting potentially. Mm. Um, and then that they are not prepared to 
really thoroughly address it for fear that they'll lose them. And then that gets back to the recruiting piece that if they're gone, then they have to find somebody else. And that's this whole, you know, snowball that starts going down the hill. It's going to cost more money, you know, lose productivity, all of those things. So we hear, we hear more about that, that they're afraid to address real tough problems for fear that the people will just leave. Do you know, that's a really good point. I've got a case in point here, and, and we hear of it um, quite a lot, but I've got a case here where there's a um, a, a potential high performer, and um, actually it's no longer the case because we took care of it, but it, it was a high performer and we put off, and it was causing a culture issue here, and I've got another client where it's causing the same thing in a family business far more difficult by the way to, to address in a family business but that particular person is is uh driven by ego and thinks he knows everything better than everybody else and is poisoning the well and nobody's addressing it um and I, and i think that that uh that, that you know that that's a, a risk in any business where you won't uh, i i actually started another article recently where i i talked about i, I hate too many sport analogies, but in this case, it there's a couple that come to mind. Um, Aaron Rodgers being one, but uh, Russell Wilson being another. Where um, the ego has gone so far that they no longer care about the team, and the team suffers as a result. And the the problem really is that clever performer who probably either needs to be coached or taken out of the formula. So, and people won't address that. Um, it's it's, and I don't know why that is. I, I, I find it difficult. I think that it's a risk to the business. I think that's what it is. That's the main reason. Well, it seems too like sometimes the fear of losing a toxic employee is bigger than the than the um, fear of having a toxic employee. So somehow they think if if we lose this person, we'll be worse off than yeah. we would be if we keep them. And I think that's a mistake. I completely uh, agree with that, with what you just said. I do, I do, I do think that's the the problem. Yeah. And yeah. and Tally, do you find that that's that's that that's been exacerbated with how hard it is to find people? That there's more fear about losing anyone, even the worst employees, than there used to be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that was. Yeah, we have one one client in particular, and we have like quite a few conversations about that. And it's it, you know, it's for them, it's a, like metalworking, um, and so they've got their you know their production team is there's a you know a lot of not a players on that team, um, and there there's just where are they going to find them? Because they're just not there's just not that talent available on the market. So, so I think that one of the things that I, I find also peculiar about what's going on is how the salaries are going up we seem to be outbidding other people uh, so i'm switching gears slightly here from the because i, I think the that's a thorny one you either take it on or you don't <laughs> the one you know the the difficult the the employee who is causing you know issues but the thing that i find about the market so much is that you know Salaries that we were thinking we would pay normally about 50000 for even six months ago are now at least fifty six, fifty seven, and upwards, Tally, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand what's driving that. Obviously, it's supply and demand. 
But why is the supply suddenly, you know, I know unemployment's at 2% in Minnesota, 3.4 nationally in January. Why? I, I, I can't fathom it out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why supply. I, I mean, there's more jobs, I guess, and yeah. the same amount of people. <laughs> Is that the question? Well, I yeah. think that's the answer. I think we've lost that top layer, but I'm hearing we've lost the bottom layer too. There are people, you know, millennials who are just dropping out. Well, I kind of understand that, but don't they have to pay? A lot of them have got student grants, by the way, which is. <laughs> which is already a, a millstone around their neck, and now they're dropping out of the market. So I, I, I'm not sure I buy that. I, I get the top end, fully understand that, and have seen evidence of it in my own life with people I know. But I don't see – so is that enough to make that market suddenly contract that much? Um, is, is it a factor around part-time and fractional where those figures really aren't as real as they appear to be? And yet we're seeing it, right? It does feel like two percent unemployment. Yeah, I think the fact of the matter is there's not there's just not there's not enough people. And as you mentioned earlier, Peter, I think a lot more people are suddenly looking more seriously at what exactly they'll they want yeah. and what they'll put up with. Yeah. And um and so they're becoming choosier. And then yeah. that and with a, a um, a glut of jobs available, they can afford to be more than they used to. And also, I mean, that applies to retention, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I take a job. If it's not that great, hey, look, I can get, you know, $10 more an hour right over there. Um, so I'll give them a try. And I, I think the other piece of that is that um, there's a, a distinct lack of loyalty on both sides. Yeah. And that used to be, um, I mean, many years ago now, that was sort of the hallmark. You got a job, you stayed there for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And the deal on the other side was the company would take care of you um, while you worked there and after you retired. And when you died, they'd take care of your family after that. And when that all started to change, I think that's when a lot of employees started to go, wait a second. We're still putting in the time and being loyal, but we're not getting it back. And there's layoffs and all those things. And over the past 30 years, I think um, there are now generations of, of people that come in with no illusions about um, that they're responsible for their careers and they have to figure out what that's going to be. And I think that's true at all levels. So I've had conversations with construction workers and, you know, they they say the same things. You know, it's more than um, just money. And sometimes it's actually, I, I have one client who I've interviewed a bunch of people there, and it's always interesting to interview people who uh, work there, left, and then came back. And and I always ask them, well, you know, why did you come back and why did you leave? They said, well, I could get 50 cents more an hour. And then I got there and realized how they were paying for that 50 cents was lack of benefits, lack of a culture and values that I agreed with, lack of working, whatever it was. And if they if they left the company before under good, you know, in a good professional way, they were welcomed back. 
And they always talked about how I didn't realize the things that really mattered to me until I, I didn't have them anymore. Um, so that's kind of two sides of that that are operating. It's funny. It's, I, I, you know, we've always heard, you know, that every survey I think that I've ever read about why people leave, money is normally fourth or fifth down the list. Nothing's really changed. It's normally because of the boss. But I think there's a lot of layers within that. It's because of the boss. <laughs> it's because the boss sets the culture. It's because the boss sets, you know, the boss does a lot of things that they just see it as it was the boss's fault. Um, and so as you were talking, I, I think um, a lot has been talked, probably overly talked about, but I do think it's it's become important and I believe it's become more important now this employee engagement thing is not it's not working <laughs> uh, especially since we've gone to hybrid uh, or indeed um, and so you now you see the pendulum going back the other way with a lot of the major companies saying you've got to be in at least three days um, a week there was a, I, I read a piece um, while doing the research for that article I've just done. They just did a study in the UK, which was over quite a bit of time, where a number of companies have gone to four-day weeks, and it's been an incredible success. Incredible. Revenue's gone up, profit's gone up, employee engagement's gone up, people are happier. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> That's just thrown another spanner in the works, hasn't it? <laughs> I wasn't expecting to find that on my research, but uh, and that's kind of a rabbit trail. I don't want to introduce that into the conversation, but unless it's it's it, it's part of it. But it is. I, I do think people are finding it difficult to engage people. And I, I, you know, you're right, Ron. The norm used to be you start with a company and you'll probably stay with them forever. It's not the case anymore. Not by any means whatsoever. And so back to our subject, I mean, how do you hire and how do you retain? And they're obviously two very, I think they're very different subjects. They're not really tied together, are they? Uh, Well, in as much as when you hire them, you've got to retain them. (laughs) But there's, so they are interlinked from that, but they're different disciplines. Yeah. I mean, when you're you're hiring, you know, if you have a real clear objective of who you are as a, a company, what you're looking for, if you're if you're marrying that up with looking looking for somebody that fits that culture, looking for somebody that really embodies the role, and you do a great job hiring somebody that is a fit, that retention piece kind of is that starts off in a better spot than if you don't really know what you're looking for or haven't defined your culture <laughs> those kinds of things so there is i think there's a relationship but they are and they they're not the same thing obviously <laughs> right right yeah I, I was speaking to a uh um uh, a senior leader at an organization and they they've always had a very strong culture they take it very seriously and i asked him during this time of having trouble finding people, do you feel like you're lowering? Because they always tried to hire for culture and see if they were a fit first. And I said, do you feel like you might be lowering your standards? And he said, I hope not. He said, but I'm not sure that we aren't because we're sort of desperate to get people in. And he says, I think there are people that were hired a little bit on hope that before we would have said, no, 
we're going to really hold high standards. And now it's like, well, this seems pretty good. Let's try them and see what happens. Well, oh, that's a really good point, Ron, because I think we, we've been, I've been guilty of that, or the companies I've been working with have been guilty of that too. I've just thought of a couple of instances. That's a great point. You're so desperate, right? You you take somebody that's got a glimmer of a chance rather than going the the full going through, down through the whole process. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Kelly, have you seen any uh, change in terms of companies spending more time with bringing people uh, up and through the ranks within the organization or through uh, different you know, professional paths within the or organization, or has that pretty much stayed the same? Yeah, it's, it's stayed the same. I would say that the, the clients we work with that have a way to start people at a at, you know a lower level and bring them up are having definitely the easiest success in building their organizations just because each time you go higher at that higher level that's a much harder typically a more difficult hire more money there's more risk involved um so we've got a, a couple companies we work with that have kind of figured out that kind of starting at the bottom and how they're moving them up through the path. And that's been really successful and it's a lot easier on everybody in terms of getting those jobs filled. I mean, we're, we come out of not too long ago. I mean, I'm, I still remember the days where there was an abundance of people in the market. You could pick and choose and it was employer's market. Well, that has completely turned around. And my, my, supposition is that we haven't entirely turned our attitudes around realizing that it is no longer an employer's market, but indeed we need to cultivate and grow our own. I'd agree with that, Linda. I think um, the people who run a lot of the companies have not changed, have not either accepted or identified that there's been that shift. And that they can't employ people the way that they used to and, you know, not worry about onboarding, not worrying about benefits, not worrying about, you know, the things that people are looking for in a job. They they still got that attitude that you're lucky to have one and I'm giving you the opportunity. Um, so I think you're on to something there. I think that's a really good point. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation Street. For more information or to submit a question, email successauthorities at inquire at successauthorities.com.